2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 5 through 10. That's what we've been looking at. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 5 through 10. If you would please follow in reading the word of God. On behalf of such a man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except in regard to my weaknesses. For if I do wish to boast, I will not be foolish. For I will be speaking the truth, but I refrain from this, so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for the power is perfected in weakness. For most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecution, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, help us to hear. Help us to understand that even the actions of demons are under your control. And Father, help us to understand your purposes in suffering. And Father, help us to see you when these terrible things happen. Lord, please teach us today May our hearts be open, may our souls rejoice, and may we jump for joy the glory of our Savior, our Lord, our Christ. To His glory, to His name, amen. We're looking through this, and it's, I, I've titled this section, God's Use for Suffering. Because, let's be realistic, anybody says there's no suffering on the planet, and there's no suffering in life, is probably dead. Okay? Because it, it, it comes in differing degrees, but you're either in some type of trial right now, you're coming out of some type of trial right now, or you're getting ready to go into some type of trial right now. Okay? And, it, and it's ongoing. It, 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 just, it just doesn't really stop. And one of the things that we see here with the Apostle Paul as the illustration, his life being the illustration, is how does God use suffering in a believer's life? Okay, I'm not talking about the lost. I'm talking about believers. How does God use that? And we've been working our way through this, and we looked in verses 5 and 6, and it reveals our spiritual condition. Suffering reveals what do we really put our faith in? Be real careful about this. Because I know a lot of people who take the name, who can quote scripture and smile because I got five stars in my VBS study or whatever it is I did, or I finished all of my workbooks. I got everything done that I need to get done. Okay. And yet when the pressure comes on and it will, it will. The day that the Supreme Court passed gay marriage, I I didn't, I, I don't, I wasn't shocked. I, I would have been shocked if they hadn't, okay? I'm sitting in my office going through my notes and all the rest of it, and the phone rings, so I pick it up and answer it, and it was Channel 7. 
And they said, will you do gay marriages? <laughs> no. <laughs> will you? <laughs> I mean, in Colorado, you can take your vow in front of a microwave. You don't have... I, I don't understand that. So, you know, well, thank you, sir. And, and that was it. So uh, don't think it ain't coming. And it, it, it's going to escalate. If, you, if you're really honest with what you're seeing, how quickly things are kind of happening. And you're just sort of like, well, wait a minute. I thought we won a bunch of elections. Okay. But I, I want you to think about these things because there were, listen, I have traveled internationally. And I have seen the persecuted church. Okay. The United States is abnormal. They ain't no church on the planet that is doing what we do. And when we become in the scenario that we are in right now, we're very apathetic. Okay. And we want to have grace, peace and mercy. And let's get along with everybody. And we will jettison whatever we want to as long as we can all get along. All right. Well, I hate to break the news to you. At some point, Jesus is going to confront and he's. Can I say he's not tolerant? OK, and he's and you can argue with him. Anybody here argued with God? OK, how does that work out? OK, spiritual maturity says, you know what, I'm going to lose this, so I ain't even going to mention it. All right. I don't I don't even have to worry. This is really cut dry. It's, yes, sir. OK, I can honestly tell you, Lord, I don't like it. But yes, sir. All right. So when the pressure comes on, what comes out? I mean, we all say we are of the faith, but when the pressure comes on, what comes out? OK, listen, I'm not even talking about major pressure. I'm talking about the little things in life that just annoy the stew out of us. All right. Has anybody listened to a, a, a radio or something like that and what are the news and they become agitated or something about what they heard? Okay. Why? Well, you know what you just showed? Your spiritual condition. You're saying, well, God, you're in control, but who's driving? No, God's in control of what? Even the Supreme Court. All right. So whatever happens is God's plan unfolding in front of us. Okay. And at some point, it'll take us to the next part. But at some point, it will show our condition. What is my condition? Do I believe in what the Bible says? Okay. And we say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Why are you complaining about the weather? You see what I mean? I mean, in Kendall's case, her sunroof opens randomly. I would complain about the weather. Or perhaps, or perhaps the sunroof. But anyway. But you see what I'm trying to get at? These are the things that I want you guys to think about. Because it's easy for us to say, hey, this works. As long as I'm comfortable. But it's through trials and tribulation when the pain comes upon us. What do we trust in? What do we trust in? The next thing it does is verse 7 
because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Why? To keep me from exalting myself. This is the humility side of it. We love this side of it. Especially when somebody else is being humbled. Okay? But I don't believe that the average Christian really pays attention to how much arrogance they actually exude. I mean, it's sickening if you think about it. If you think about pride comes before the fall, you wonder why we don't all have little rashes on our nose. Because we can boast in our humility. I Sit around, listen. Just listen to the average conversations. There'll be somebody bragging about something. Well, you know what I did? You know, I remember listening to a guy tell me about elk hunting and how far he shot. And I said, that's cool. And he says, well, you've hunted. How far have you shot? I said, my longest was about nine yards. Nine yards? Uh, yeah, I'm not that good a shot. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what can I say? It wasn't a first down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so it's one of those you just smile and say well that sure looked like 900 yards to me <laughs> if you're an ant okay but you see what I'm trying to get at because and I, and I see it when guys want to boast about how many people they've baptized or how many people are in my congregation or what it, you know whatever it is we want to throw out there we can throw it out there Why? And yet God said to the Apostle Paul, I will give you a messenger of Satan. That's that's a.k.a. a demon. To keep you from exalting yourself. You ever think about that? So if you get into the habit of exalting yourself, (laughs) get ready. Okay? Get ready. Because God opposes the proud. And, I, you know, I've had a lot of opposition in my life. I hope never to have God to be my opponent. All right. Which brings me to what I want to talk about today in verse eight. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. OK. God uses suffering to draw us to himself, to draw us to himself. And he makes a statement here, three times I asked the Lord, three times implored the Lord. See, in the suffering, in Paul's suffering, where did he go? To the Lord. What degree of suffering makes you go to the Lord? Or do you have a high pain tolerance? I wait longer to go to the Lord than normal people. Really? Sounds good, doesn't it? What can I do? What will I try before I go to the Lord? All right? Because that we do. Uh, we do. That is at least one of the purposes of suffering. Why? Draw you to Him. And, and it's fascinating because we can have a little trial and we'll take care of it. Okay? But once I get out here at the high threshold of my pain, 
then I shall go to the Lord. Okay? Nah. That's why God said, when they asked him, when the Lord was asked, teach us to pray. The Lord made this simple statement that so many of us miss. Give us this day our daily bread. You understand what that means? The mundane silliness of life. Please take care of that. And yet, what is our job? Well, to worry over where I'm going to get my next banana. You see what, I, see what we do? You know, give us this day our daily bread. No, Lord, I'm buying. You want a bagel? What would you just do? You're being opposed by the Lord. Because you think you're doing it. If you have a job today... It ain't because you're you. It's because the Lord has allowed you to have it. Okay? Whatever training and whatever skills you have, do you understand the Lord did that? Do you understand that? And yet, how many of us are thankful for that? How many of us want to complain about that? Paul is showing us what the right response is. I want you to make a note of this. Okay, I want you to think about this. Here's the Apostle Paul. He's got a thorn in his flesh, a stake in his flesh, a messenger from Satan. And he didn't go to Titus. He didn't go to Timothy. He did not ask Luke. What do you think? He didn't ask any of the others that were with him. Listen, how many of us will get ourselves into a pickle... And we go to our friends. Okay. How'd that work out for Job? And yet we do the same thing. Listen, brothers and sisters, I love you to death, but I want you to understand something. There is no technique. There is no formula. There is no method. There's no way that you're ever going to find comfort in your trials and tribulations except for he who bought you. And you can take the long way around Mount Sinai looking for help. Or you can just go straight to the source. Paul, when I I think about this letter and what he was dealing with in his brokenheartedness. I think about the delight of his life. Think about this for a second. The delight of his life is gone. It's gone. The joy of service is gone. It's all gone. And you know what? Paul didn't go to human resources. Okay. A little footnote I want to give you here because I have watched this and it tends to be growing in the evangelical community right now. I want you to make a note of this. The Apostle Paul... To keep him from exalting himself is given a messenger of Satan to torment him. Okay? Can I ask you a question? Why didn't he bind it? Why didn't he cast it out? I mean, if anybody can do it, Paul can. But he never did. He just went to God. 
He went directly to God. He didn't even mess with the demon. He didn't even concern himself with the demon, other than he understood that the affliction that he was under was because of a demon. He went to him who controls men and demons. I'll go to him. I'll go to him. It says here that he implored. This, concerning this, I implored, entreated. Okay? The word is used a lot in the Gospels. And if you go look at it in the Gospel record or the epistles, you'll see that it, it is the appeals of the sick. Okay? Paul sees himself as one in a deep sickness. This, this heartache, this stake in the flesh, this messenger of Satan was a sickness. And he appealed three times, three separate times, that it be removed. He's pleading. Please, it is so painful. Please, it hurts so bad. Three times he goes to the Lord. Remove it. I can't take it. It hurts so much. Anybody been there? Paul's love was so great for those church people. Paul's love was so great for the gospel. Which would contrast his hatred to false doctrine. It would contrast his hatred of the kingdom of darkness. It would contrast his hatred for the deceivers. And it was breaking his heart. It was breaking his heart. And he was in a tough place. He can't endure it. And listen, if you see or you know somebody who is in false teaching. Okay? And... <laughs> And, and everybody gets it so funny because, well, is that false teaching? Well, if it ain't biblical, then it's false. I mean, I'd like to make it more complicated than that. But if you want to make it more complicated than that, go ahead and knock yourself out. But you either have truth or you have a lie. I mean, you, well, I sort of have truth. No, you don't. You can't sort of have truth. But I want you to understand something. Anything that is against truth comes from where? The father of lies. If it's coming from the father of lies, what are you going to do to overcome him? The same thing the apostle Paul did. Why? I will plead. I will entreat. I will implore the Lord to open their eyes. You can't, you know what? A person who is bound up in pride you can't do a thing for them. I mean, I can tell you, you know, I think you're just being prideful. Well, I just think you're mean-spirited. Yeah, probably. You can't do it. You can't open their eyes. Listen, you think about your salvation. When you came to salvation, did not God do a work? Okay, you didn't do a work. I mean, well, I heard preaching. Well, that's fine. Who sent the preacher? Who gave the preacher the word? Who gave the power in the word that the preacher used? So really, when you think about it, you have nothing to do with it. God did it. God did it all. Well, if it took that to get you saved, and you know somebody who's following the doctrine of demons, as Paul calls it, what are you going to do to open their eyes? 
Nothing. You bring truth to bear and let God do his thing. And you plead. Lord, please save them. Paul was in a tough spot. It was very difficult to endure. It was depressing him that a door was open for the gospel in Troas and he couldn't do anything because he was so despondent. That's a pretty tough place. Take it away, Lord. Take it away. May this depart. May this constant thing, this thorn in my flesh, take it away. Take it away. I can't endure this. It, the pain of this is greater than anything I've had. You know what's amazing? Three times he asked. Three times. You know what the answer was? No. I would rather you have a stake in your flesh than you exalt yourself or be in danger of exalting yourself. Wow. Well, what if I promise? That always works well. I have one promise that I promise to the Lord. One, one thing I, I solemnly swear to my Lord. One thing. I will never keep any of my promises. I promise, you know, I, I promise, Lord. I will never keep any of them. Why? I've been around me a while. I've been around me a while. It ain't saying that my heart ain't in it, but it's just saying that, you know what? How many times do we have great intentions for no apparent reason? Okay? Listen, this is what happens in suffering. It's fine to go to the Lord. But you have to be willing to accept his answer. I know a lot of people get discouraged with God because he just didn't answer it the way he should have. Well, I prayed three times and nothing happened. Oh, I bet something did. Okay. You just may not be grateful and he may be teaching you how to be grateful. But whatever he's doing, he is drawing you to him. And that's what happens in suffering. How close do you get him, get to God when you're being blessed with everything? See, that's our, that's that fallen nature. That's this earthen vessel. You know, everything's going good. Why do I need to talk to God? I'm doing fine. I remember a pastor told me that for about six months. He says, man, it just can't get any better. He says, the church is happy. Uh, the family's happy. We're all happy and we're just happy. It's just wonderful. And all of a sudden his wife is diagnosed with stage three ovarian cancer. And you know what I've noticed? His prayer life changed. Drastically. Why? Because I'm all happy. And I run into him the other day and I says, 
So how happy are you now? He says, it's tougher now. He said, yeah. But don't let it stop the joy of the Lord. Okay, and I'm not trying to be crass. But I'm sitting there saying, if I run into somebody and they got this big old grin on their face and there ain't nothing wrong, all I can say is, I think I'm going to go stand in another county. Because something's coming. Because I've learned the hard way that you become a prayer warrior when you got nothing left. And what I've also learned is, if you stay there, it's a lot easier. Because if not, you will be drugged back there. And you will be a prayer warrior. Paul was suffering heartache. Paul was suffering trials. Paul was suffering tribulation. And I mean, if you think about it, these were harder on him than the physical things that we looked at in chapter 11. See, the physical things, if somebody kills you and you're a Christian, that's a reward. See, we don't look at it that way. It's a reward. Your race is done. God says, come on home. All right? We don't look at it from that perspective. But as a Christian, if you look at it, the physical sufferings, the Apostle Paul says, I'm convinced that the sufferings of this time can't compare to the glory of come. This is the same guy who went to heaven and says, dude, I have seen it. Listen, this heartache, trial, tribulation, this suffering immediately forced the Apostle Paul into the presence of God. And you know what? That is the best place to be. I don't care what it is. Even if it's dealing with your daily bread. You think of the anxieties that we have. Over what? Over what? What trouble do you have that God can't handle? Now, you can sit there and have a high pain threshold and keep doing it yourself until he says, I'm going to get your undivided attention. How do you want me to do it? You can either get it when you get the little splinter in your finger or I'll break your arm. But I'm going to get your attention. And it's a lot easier to say, I go, oh, God, help me. Than to say, oh, Lordy, Lordy, he got me twisted. Because, see, when the severe trials come, if I'm already there in his presence, I don't even know it's a severe trial. I just cruise right on through. Why? Because this is where I've been all along. Why? I'm very near my Lord and my Savior. Good times don't do that. They just don't do that. The stronger the trouble, the greater your prayer life. Amen? So why wouldn't I have a strong prayer life without the trouble? You know why I know prayer is so powerful? I think it's the single most powerful thing on the planet today. You know why I say that? Why is it so hard to do? And if you think about it, the action of prayer, how hard is that? How difficult is that? I mean, to just pray. I'm just, I just going to pray. Is it difficult? And yet, why do we struggle to do it? 
But through suffering, trials and tribulations, we become prayer warriors. Prayer warriors. But if you're really honest with yourself, how much power is in prayer is based on the fact of how easily we can be distracted from doing it. Have you ever thought about that? The stronger the trouble, the greater your prayer life. Think about it. Whether it's your children, your spouse, your job, the economy, whatever you want to throw out there. Think about it for a second. How much do you use in prayer? If everything's bouncing along perfect, how much prayer do you use for your children or for your job? For your spouse? And yet there's times that God will use your children, your spouse, your job, the economy, your money, your finances to draw you to him. There are too many in the body of Christ right now who are dependent on their wages and not their Lord. They are dependent on their relationships and not their Lords. And you know what? Sometimes God will use those things that we believe our sufficiency is in. He will crush them. And what he has in mind is say, here I am. Here I am. What does it take to drive you to the Lord? This is for you. What does it take for you to go to God? I guess it's how well do you tolerate pain? Because that's the essence of it. You know, we all like to sit around and say, I have a high pain threshold. Okay? Well, good for you. I don't. I try to stay with him. I'm going to walk right here. You stop, I'm going to run right into your rear end. Okay? And I ain't moving again until you grab me and say, go. Why? Been in the other place. Do we know how intimate God is in answering our prayers? Do you know how much He cherishes your prayers? Do you understand how great it is for Him to answer them? He cherishes that. He wants His kids to understand His love. Now listen, I'm going to give you a caveat on that. He gives you what you need, not necessarily what you want. Be real careful. Because we can spiritualize anything. I've seen it. I mean, here's one. I need a new car. Pastor, would you pray that I get a loan? Really? No, I'll pray that your credit score is good. (laughs) If God wants you to have a car and it's going to be from Him, it's going to fall out of heaven and land in your driveway. And you ain't going to nickel on it. It may have four flat tires from hitting the ground, but minor detail. No. If you want to borrow money, then take care of your credit. That's, that's not that difficult. I don't see the, the issue that is in that. I mean, 
My little pickup got caught in a hailstorm a couple of weeks ago, a month ago. And they totaled it. They said, there, your to- truck's totaled. And I was like, well, great. And so he goes through his little computer thing and says, here's what we'll give you for it. And you can't claim hail damage on it again. I said, all right, fine. So he writes me out the check and I look at the check. It's more than what I paid for it. I didn't pay that much for it. Can I have another one? <laughs> what do you do for the big truck? <laughs> I mean, do I get like two? But you just sit there and you go, well, that's kind of comical. I've never believed that. I, I got more than I paid for a car? Really? When does that happen? Okay, now listen, it's, it's not a fancy. I have to roll down my windows. Okay? And do you know how hard it is to find cassette tapes? Okay, so don't, don't think that my Rolls Royce got beat up. Okay? Uh, because people come up beside me and they want me to roll down my window. I have to reach across and start doing this. And they're looking at me like, what's wrong with that man? <laughs> Doesn't he know he's got a button over there on the driver's side? Okay, but you see what, this is the kind of stuff I want you to think about because there's times when you and I, we will petition the Lord, we'll plead to the Lord, and because we have the right information. And so we will inform our Heavenly Father what is necessary down here. Okay, if you're in that kind of praying time, I love you and I I am grateful that the Lord will break you of that. Okay, because you will get a long list of no. No. God is intimate in our prayers. He is intimate in answering our prayers. That's why I call the Lord's table, the Lord's table, communion is prayer. When I read his word, he communes with me. When I pray to him, I commune with him. Listen, the question is that I want you to ask about is what does heaven mean to you? Is it a place of urgency? Or is it a place that's down the road? What happened to the Apostle Paul when he was brought to the brink? He went to the Lord. And you know what? That's where he should be. Stay there. Remember what the messenger from Satan was for. To keep him from exalting himself. Most of the time, you can't find a human who's going to fix that kind of problem. Your pastor ain't going to fix that. If you've got a messenger from Satan staking your flesh to torment you, your pastor ain't going to fix that. Go to the Lord. When we go through sufferings of life, God has a reason. God has a purpose. And it's to show you, one, the condition of your spiritual life. And and when he shows the condition of your spiritual life, first and foremost, it's to you. But it's also going to be to those who are around you. But he also does it to humble us so that we may grasp the blessings that he has given us. And it is to draw us into the intimacy of his presence. You know, we always talk about it. He's omnipresent. What does that mean? He's everywhere all at once. But see, we sometimes get into this abstract feeling that God is sort of just out there. You know, I got an eye on everything, but I'm not really involved. And that's not true. He's very involved. He's very intimate. We count it all joy when we fall into various trials. So, 
I'll ask you a question. Do we joyfully embrace suffering? Because that's what it says. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Do I joyfully embrace suffering? Why? It has a tremendous, great spiritual impact. That's what God's saying. He wants His saving work to be put on display. And His children shine brighter in suffering than they do in blessing. He will use it to break our pride. But if you think about it, if you're really honest with yourself, when He breaks your pride, what does it drive you to? To the Lord. To the Lord. So God uses suffering, one, to reveal our spiritual condition, two, to make us humble, three, to draw us to Himself. And then next week we'll look at it to display His grace. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul and his life that is laid out before us. Father, I think of that man's heartache in his ministry, his entire ministry. And yet, Father, now he is in your presence, understanding completely and fully that the suffering of his age did not compare to the glory that came. Father, may that be the passions of our souls. May we look at it from that perspective and may we rejoice in it. To you, my Lord, my Savior, in Christ's name, amen.